Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Mike Michalowicz, author of Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored, and you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know, and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. I do this podcast to help me and my listeners keep up with the latest ideas that matter most in the quickly changing and somewhat overwhelming world of modern marketing and sales. My day job is running a marketing agency that helps manufacturers and industrial companies grow their revenue. To learn more about the problems we solve and how we do it, visit salesartillery.com. All right, enough yakking. Let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Mike Michalowicz to talk about his book, Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored, published by Portfolio Penguin. By his 35th birthday, Mike Michalowicz had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. Confident that he had the formula to success, he became a small business angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. Then he started all over again, driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. Since then, Mike has devoted his life to the research and delivery of innovative, impactful business growth strategies. Mike is the creator of Profit First, which is used by hundreds of thousands of companies around the world to drive profit. He's the creator of Clockwork, a powerful method to make any business run on automatic. He's the author of Profit First and Clockwork, uh, Fix This Next, uh, a Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Pumpkin Plan, Surge and the toilet paper entrepreneur. Today, Mike leads two new multi-million dollar ventures as he tests his latest business research for his books. He's a popular keynote speaker, a former small business columnist for the Wall Street Journal, and business makeover specialist on NBC. Mike's also a guest lecturer at universities including Babson, Boston College, Columbia, Copenhagen Business School, Emerson, Harvard, Penn State, Pepperdine, and Princeton. His books have been translated in over, into over 25 languages and are the in the core curriculum for business students at many, many universities. And interesting fact, he is a graduate of Virginia Tech, go Hokies, where he was captain of the Virginia Tech lacrosse team. Mike, congratulations on Get Different and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you. I thought you were going to say, and he's a blowhard. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's only room for one of those, and that's me. And I made that real clear to you, Mike. Any chances you're a Hokie, I always get excited to meet another 
Oh, no, you? no. I went to a school up the road called uh, Virginia Military Institute. Oh, my greatest learning lesson happened at VMI. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, on the field. Oh, at, at playing them in lacrosse? Yeah, yeah. You guys had an excellent team. And uh, I remember, it, it's interesting. I, I learned about the power of the mind at a game against VMI. My capability was facing off. That's what I was particularly good at and, and really excelled at in high school and was able to apply to college. And it actually increased my stature on the lacrosse team because of that capability. Uh, so I w- almost expected to dominate face-offs until I went to VMI. And one of the, is it Keydets? Yeah. Um, kicked my ass till Sunday. And it was the wake-up call I needed. For the first half of the game, this guy was just beating me over and over again. I'm like, this is not, this is not possible. You said, yeah, I'm and, like Michalowicz. What's what's going on here? Oh, don't you know? Who, that's why I said that to him, Mike. Don't you know who I am? Yeah. Um, and then I said, oh, my gosh, I have a choice here. At the halftime, I, the coach wasn't talking to me about it. They were doing other stuff. I sat down with myself and said, I have a choice here. I can decide to play better today, or I can decide to cave in to a what I wanted to find as a new reality. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to amplify. I just changed my mindset, and I, I was able to to kind of win out uh, the rest of the game. And that was a realization that our mindset determines, our, you know, our body comes into alignment with our mindset. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was my greatest college lesson in retrospect was it was there at VMI. Wow. That's interesting. So just to back up, uh, so I, I, you know, I'm a, a closet hokey fan, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm here. There's, it's, it's I'm, I live in Virginia. And over the years, I've interviewed two authors who are graduates of the University of Texas. And last year, I was able to even things up by interviewing my second author, Who's a Texas A&M graduate? Okay, you know. Oh, those, there you go. You know how those people are. Okay, so I've interviewed two authors who are University of Virginia graduates. Okay, yep. and great guys, great interviews, and now I'm so pleased to finally have a Virginia Tech grad on the show. And now I, I'm I'm now in search of that second one to keep things uh, equitable. So, Inbound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I, I don't have to explain to you why that's important. So no, no. not only are you a Virginia Tech graduate, you actually make fun of the University of Virginia in your book. In every single one of my books, I laud Virginia Tech. I uh, humble UVA. And it's, uh, it is so sophomoric of me, but I just cannot resist the opportunity. So yeah, I, I take a total pot shot at the UVAers, which I have quite a few friends from UVA and they're extraordinary people, but damn it, I'm a I'm a hokey you know blue collar graduate. And I got to pick on the haughty UVAers. That's right. Hoops. You talked about them being haughty, and I couldn't resist. There's a a joke I have a meme I could ha- I'll post it on the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com, and it says an atheist, a vegan, and a UVA grad walk into a bar, and then it says I only know this because they told everyone within two minutes. <laughs> I love it. I love, uh, poor UVAers. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It's like uh, redneck jokes that Jeff Foxworthy oh. would always tell. The people that yep. loved it were the rednecks. So I think yeah, the yeah. UVA people secretly um, uh, enjoy that. And I don't think we have to worry now because they've all probably tuned out anyway. <laughs> so your name, it is spelled M-I-C-H-A-L-O-W-I-C-Z. It's mispronounced all the time. Last week, I was interviewing an author. She mentioned one of your books and then she said, but I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> so we've pronounced it already, Michalowicz. And in the book, you actually say, and I, I've got listeners in Ukraine, okay? You say yeah. that uh, you met someone from Ukraine who said, no, that's not right. It's Michalowicz. That's right. That's right. Isn't that funny? So um, forever, I thought it was Michalowicz. That's what my father told me. And uh, 
I write in the book that are disadvantaged. So a, a, a very difficult to pronounce last name can be our advantage. I, I leverage it by making fun of it regularly and encouraging others to make fun of it, which actually is a way to learn it. But uh, I was traveling and this one guy from the Ukraine is like, oh no, no, it's uh, Mihalovich or Mihalovich. Right. I'm like, oh my God. He's like, you don't, you're not pronouncing it correctly. Yeah. So. And now you know how everyone else feels, Mike, about pronouncing yeah. your last name. So yeah, yeah. I should also add that you had a short-lived hip-hop career and your stage name was Fat Daddy Fatback. Very you Googleable. Know. Very Googleable. I have proof. Okay, a video of it? Yeah, if you type in Fat Daddy Fatback, you will find remnants of my career. Um, so okay, M&M, well, you are going to be the king of the show notes because I'm going to include that video <laughs> if I can find it. Now, I noticed um, there were a couple other authors I've had the honor of interviewing, and they had this to say about your book. Uh, Alan Dibb, author of The One-Page Marketing Plan, excellent book, great guy. He writes The Ultimate Primer for Anyone Who Needs Great Results. And John Jantz author of Duct Tape Marketing and the Ultimate Marketing Engine, and I'm actually interviewing him next week about that. Oh, book. my gosh, he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. In fact, I first heard about your book from John. He writes, a breakthrough book that reveals a fundamental truth about marketing. People remember, talk about, and share things that are different. Different mm. is your job. Different mm. will radically transform your business. And I just have to say, uh, Mike, on in the book, you write that... Um, your heart screams to make the reading experience fun, and this was one fun book to do that in. I hadn't interviewed you before, but it was a lot of fun to read the book. You're a very funny guy, and I know funny. I'm a clownfish. <laughs> so I want to read the uh, just the introduction here. Uh, just It's very short, and you write, yeah, no. Introduction, schmintroduction. Let's cut to the chase. You and I have a crucial job to do as in the life or death of your business kind of crucial. You offer something people need, something a lot of people will love, or at least something a lot of people would love if only they knew about it. What good is your offer if no one knows it exists? The lack of marketing, good, effective, different marketing is the driving reason for small business mediocrity and stunted growth. Too many great products and services languish in obscurity. We will not stand for that. By the end of this book, We are going to make sure you get noticed and get results in a crowded market no matter what. Are you ready? Let's market this shit out of your business. (laughs) So can I can I put a little asterisk? You, Douglas, are the you just read that in a one read, like like a a one one and done. When I went to the studio for the audiobook, (laughs) literally that that two paragraph intro. I think it took me four reads to get through. That's how inefficient I am as a reader. That was awesome. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. uh, you know, the pressure's on you, really, not me, to make this a good interview. So I, I don't feel, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I want you to relax and have a good time. Now, as I mentioned before we were interviewing, I was a lit, reading your book, uh, it was very funny, very entertaining. It's the kind of thing where I had a sense that if you and I were to meet in person, our wives would say, no, we're going to need to keep those guys separated because <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, this isn't good, please. Yeah. But I was also, you know, as I say, a Ron Burgundy glass case of emotion because there are certain things in here where maybe I got even more out of it because certain things you describe I've seen with companies, I've seen with mm. clients, mm. and I've never seen it explained this way. And I, I almost wanted to order a copy of this and send it to one particular client who is really suffering from this fear of being different. And but there, but there was another thing that got me really fired up, and we can talk about that. And that is, I see, as do you, a lot of companies just waste a staggering amount of money on what they they think is marketing, 
And it's largely because they've had such bad advice or they're just buying what somebody knows how to do, okay? Yes. Or, or, you know, oh, you just need to run more Facebook ads. Oh. And that's all they know how to do. And your friend Yannick on page four, he, he wrote, uh, or you quoted him, and he said, you had the same experience. And he said, if people are buying shit, it may be their problem, but it's your fault. Mm-hmm. If people are buying shit, it may be their problem, but it's your fault. And I really, I kind of, I, t- I kind of took that personally, and I got the impression that that you did too. And I just want to start with this one story, and then I promise not to talk too much. But it's on uh, page uh, sixty nine, and you were talking about when you were writing this book, you reached out to cu- to your community, mm-hmm. and you asked a question, and. You said, I'm looking for a story of a business owner who just can't make it happen with marketing and wants to give up or is just caved and feels this is the way it needs to be. And I just thought, mm-hmm. gosh, I see so many companies like that. And I just want to read this story, and then, we're, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, and I'll come back in about 45 minutes to see how you're doing. No, I'm kidding. You write, this is what she wrote. I've spent the last nine months since I started my business trying to figure that out. I gave up and hired someone and nothing happened. I've spent thousands trying to get marketing going. I have worked with dozens of so-called specialists, posting on my own, reading about what to post, so much more. I'm an accountant and a tax planner preparer. It's a business that no one wants to talk about. I save clients up to 30000 a year in taxes. My first client, that's exactly what I did for them. I got a website, hired another web designer, and then hired another web designer until I found one who created a website I like that covered everything I do properly and professional. And yet, no sales. I found another, quote, coach who was teaching people how to do their marketing. I told him I didn't want to learn anymore and spend more money, so he agreed to do the marketing for me. He said, I have such a great knowledge that anyone who talked to me would want to hire me. He thought he could get me 30 to 50 contacts to talk to within 30 days. Five months and $8,000 later, and I still have nothing. He finally got one person to call me, and it's someone who used to work with me in the past, and I had fired them. All I do is sit at my computer trying to come up with something to get customers. I am at my computer pretty much from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. and sometimes longer, learning new things that might help me get new clients. I really have about eight hours of work a week with my few clients that I had when it was a part-time gig. I need to have 10 times the clients I have now just to keep paying the rent. It's very disheartening that nothing seems to work. And then, Mike, you go on to write that, you know, obviously she felt taken advantage of by what you call the big, fat, marketing lie. What mm-hmm. is this big, fat marketing lie? Yeah, that was the story of, of Linda Weathers and uh, the lie she fell victim to. And, and and I did, I have, and so many businesses do, is that if your marketing isn't working, you're not doing enough of it. You know, we're, we're told like run Facebook ads because that's what everyone else is doing. And when the Facebook ads don't yield the results you want, the response is, well, Clearly, you haven't run enough Facebook ads yet. You got to double down and triple down, and uh, that myth, that myth is perpetuated everywhere. If it's not working, simply do more of it. So it exhausts us. and And her story just epitomized that. And, and I was honored, first of all, that she let me include it because it, it's it's a humbling thing to share, but it is the reality for the majority of us. And and, and was the essence of why I wrote this book is doing more of what's not working won't fix things. We have to do different. Right. It's like, um, well, content marketing doesn't seem to be working, so do more content. No! (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. So, you know, volume only works at an extreme level. Um, So 
the iron, there's a guy named iron cowboy, for example, this guy has run, um, he ran the iron man and hundreds of thousands of people have done the iron man that you'll never know. This guy just ran 50 Ironmans 50 days in a row. So he gets the notoriety as the iron cowboy. That's remarkable and different, but only one person will achieve that. The person that runs now 48 Ironmans in a row is unremarkable. So doing more of something can work only in the most extreme circumstance. And it's such a rarity that it's a dangerous trap thinking that's the only way. What really works is be the first in the space to do something because the first is now the, the winner. So be the first to do what no one else is doing and you'll get the notoriety and exposure. Mm, There's yes. a lot more to it, but from the, but from the, the advocate standpoint, from our standpoint, when you're the first to do something, it's a blue ocean. There's great opportunity. If you're trying to do more of what's already working, it's going to be a bloody battle. So, Let's go back though. Let's let's talk. Just dig into a little bit of this. You, you explain what you mean when you say that marketing happens in milliseconds, not months. Yeah, I found this fascinating, um, and and a lot of the research that I was doing was challenging the preconceived notions I had. What I thought was effective marketing um, was a good marketing plan. Like a great marketing plan wins, and a bad marketing plan fails. And that is true, but a marketing plan doesn't necessarily consider the milliseconds of marketing. It, it, it's the long-term play, but first we have to master that. What I delved into was the study of how the human mind works. And in this case, the application to our prospects, but this is true for all of humanity. We actually are wired to ignore most things. So right now, Douglas, around you in your space there are thousands, tens of thousands of things that could draw your attention. Mm-hmm. And um, right, for example, in front of me, I have a paperclip here. It's a, it's actually two paperclips kind of clinked together. There's a white one and blue one. And I could spend literally hours investigating these paperclips. Like, oh, they're made of metal. There's like a little plastic coating. Who thought the word plastic, the colors, you know, what, what evokes colors? I could just go down this rabbit hole mm-hmm. forever. But our minds are designed to ignore 99.9 to whatever exponential factor. Yes, I've heard the human brain described as a really efficient ignoring machine. Yes, that's what we do. Exactly. Um, And that's what our mind does. It's designed to ignore. But there's three things that our mind has to evaluate every single time. And uh, one is a threat. So if we were doing this interview face-to-face and and I, I plop down like a gun and say, hey, Douglas, you might have to go another hour with this. I guarantee I'll win your attention that moment. But the problem with using a threat is you'll you'll punch me right in the nose, break my face wide open, and uh, you know you're going to defend yourself. So that's a bad move. The second way to garner attention, guaranteed, is to plop down opportunity. So if I plop down a stack of a million dollars and say, "Hey, Douglas, we should have a discussion about doing this for an hour longer. I really want to garner more exposure for myself. I have your attention." But the risk is now completely on me. You may take the money and run. You may say, yeah, let me think about it as you walk away with the money. So it's massive risk in either case. But if you do want to send me that, I'll, I'll yeah, give you As an experiment, so. we could try it out and just yeah, see what happens, just, right? I'm just trying to help. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So the third way, which is always effective, it always works, is to do something that's unexpected. If we were outside and something squiggles in the grass, uh, we will definitely jump back and then evaluate, is this a snake? Does someone turn the hose on? Mm -hmm. What's going on? 
unexpected always goes to the prefrontal cortex where there's conscious thought because we have to evaluate, is this a threat or opportunity? Mm -hmm. Now, why I talk about the milliseconds is that literally happens faster than a blink. So if you try blinking right now, that will take you about one-tenth of a second. Our thought processing happens faster than that mm -hmm. at a subconscious level before it is brought to a conscious consideration. In our marketing, we have to win that first blink. And if we get it, we are guaranteed to have the consumer's attention. If it's unexpected, they must evaluate it because they're considering it as a threat or an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I've won now you for one-tenth of a second. I have to matriculate that all the way to the transaction. So there's more steps to take, but that's where it all starts. Right. And before we get into some of the details about the fairly fairly scientific approach you have here, um, it's, it's, it's easy to explain, but you really do need to read the whole book and, and go through all the exercises that you, uh, you include. Let's go back to that past client I had. Can, can you talk about the, the primary reason why we struggle to get noticed? What is it that contributes to this sea of sameness out there? Yeah, there's this awkwardly primal factor that influences us. And it goes back to the Neanderthal days. So um, as humanity, the only way to survive yesteryear uh, in the tribe days was to be an active participant um, to the tribe to support whatever the tribe as a whole wanted to do. So if, if the tribe's like, hey, we're going to go hunting for a woolly mammoth, I got to be on board with this. If I'm like, hey, guys, no, I got a better idea. Let's go after a saber-toothed tiger. Um, the tribe may say, screw you. Uh, you're out. You're on your own. How dare you contest what we're looking to do? And collectively, they're going hunting the woolly mammoth, and I'm out of the tribe. That is certain death for me. So being the exception was certainty for death. Mm -hmm. It was literally that equated. Fast forward to modern times, and while societally we've changed rapidly, that that Neanderthal wiring still exists. Yeah, we still have our cave-dwelling ancestors' brains. Exactly. And, and it's bizarre because we all know at a logical level that standing out, being distinct, and different is the way to be recognized. That's the mm -hmm. way to be accepted by a new tribe. But there's this dichotomy that the other part of us is saying, but don't do it because you'll be punished for it or mm -hmm. you'll be dead. So there's this bizarre phenomena that we want to be noticed without being noticeable. We yes. want to stand out without having to stand out. Yeah, it's like uh, companies are afraid to stand out. And there was actually another book on the show called Standout Marketing. It was all about the sea of sameness. In the first half of the book, they explained why it happens. And it's related absolutely uh, to what you just described and why companies behave the way they do to – it's almost like they don't want to get noticed. And I, I want you to talk about – you know, I've seen so many companies that want to talk about how much better they are, and we, we, you know, and I can, I can, I can, I can think back to companies that say our products are better, but the other yeah. guys are outselling us. Explain what you mean when you say better is not better, different is better. Yeah, so better is unnoticeable. So let's say we had competing businesses, and I answer the phone for customer service in two rings, and you answer the phone in one ring. You are unequivocally on a statistical level better. But the question is, do customers notice? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. You know, we know intrinsically we're we're better in multiple ways compared to our competition. But our clients don't appreciate that. They really judge us on about one percent of what we do. So <laughs> most of the better elements are ignored. Mm -hmm. Different though, to our earlier point, 
is undeniable. When I'll give you another example. I, my first company was in computer technology. I, I set up computer systems. I was a computer guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was statistically better than most of my competition. The amount of accolades we'd received, the certifications and so forth. But I still struggled to grow the business. We were never really profitable as I was growing it. And then one day, this one business came in and it kicked my ass till Sunday. And the company was called Geek Squad. They, yes. they were different. They, they dressed in these uniforms like geeks, you know, the, the, sh- the flood pants, the taped glasses, the narrow black ties. They, they drove uh, Volkswagen bugs that looked like, you know, Keystone cops. And that little differentiation was so played into people's wiring. You could not help but notice them then, notice them. And that opened the gateway for them exposing the services they do. And now they sold out to Best Buy. They now have a billion-dollar valuation collectively. And uh, my company did not do that, we'll say. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and a great big section in the book about later on about uh, how they did it, why they did it, and how uh, effective it was. I, I want to go to uh, one thing on page 13 where you talk about the workshops you do. You're a you know, keynote speaker. And it was interesting to me where you say um, – one thing you do is you'll say to the audience, all right, pair up and share your most effective mm-hmm. way to bring in leads. Okay, you give them a couple of minutes. Talk about what happens uh, What happens there. Yeah, this has been, for me, really eye-opening. And I've done it in both formal surveys now, but mostly informal. And what I ask people is what their primary source of leads is from. And uh, you know this is critical. If you have no lead flow, you have no business. If, if no one knows you exist whatsoever and no opportunity comes your way, the business is done. It, it's so obvious. And uh, what I want to demonstrate in this is to show how myopic our, our um, marketing is, that, that we stay within such a narrow tunnel. So I ask people, what's your primary lead source? And braggadociously, and I was this way for the longest time, people say, well, number one, word of mouth. Oh, yeah. Referrals. You know. Yeah. And Almost you know, people, prideful. Yeah, yeah, people pound your chest. You know. And and they'll say, we've grown this business and we haven't done any marketing, which is actually not true. But And then they <laughs> then they light a pipe and... Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. if well, actually what I say to them is really, um, how, how, how much uh, do you deal with uh, the pricing? Oh, yeah, we deal with that every day. Well, what about product development improvement? Yeah. Then I go on to explain to them... <laughs> The marketing is not just promotion; it's it's other things. So, yeah, it, it again, you sent me into that Ron Burgundy glass case of emotion because I have been there listening to this. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, but you know, I get it. I've been there too, and I slipped back into it. There should be something boastful about that, though. Is that if clients are referring you, clearly they have an appreciation for your services, they see value in you, and they, they want to spread the word. That's pretty remarkable. But now we're at the whim of customers marketing for us. Literally, if that customer goes out of business or leaves, there goes our marketing with them. So I consider that the icing on the cake, but it surely isn't the cake. Yes. And it's it's less predictable. Although this guy named John Jantz wrote a great book called The Referral Engine about acknowledging that, but saying, you know, you can start to systematize yes. how to properly ask for referrals. Uh, but- I agree. Which is marketing in itself. Yes. It, yes. Now you're building a deliberate system to generate that. Right. And you're leveraging a quantifiable resource. So yeah. I, I agree. I, just no matter what, we need to be able to control the throttle. If I need more leads today, do I have a surety that I can turn up the heat and start getting them today? If not, I don't have control over my marketing. Okay, so you then write down 
like three big, uh, you write down uh, on the chart there, that everybody can see, you write word of mouth, client referral, and website. Yeah. And you, what, you say, all right, anybody that said that, put your hand down. <laughs> I think you said 95% of the hands go down at that point. Yeah, exactly. But everyone's hand goes down. And a few people have something that you know they think is really innovative. Like, oh, we did the mailer that uh, is a best practice in our industry or, or something. Or content marketing you mentioned, or a trade show. Yeah, yeah, content marketing. Exactly, exactly. You know, I got a blog um, that yields nothing, but I have a blog. And um, my point in that little exercise is how homogenous the marketing has become. And the reason marketing doesn't work is because it's all the same. Part of that, we were talking about the ignoring system that humanity has. It's called habituation. Habituation is where we very quickly acclimate to a certain form of stimulus, quantify it as irrelevant, and therefore never pay attention again. Uh, sirens um, have to change over time because we get used to sirens and we don't react. Like you could literally hear the old, you know, high pitch, low pitch whining of a siren and walk across the intersection and that police car plows through you because it's so common. Mm -hmm. That's why they had to change to these. Strange iterations and, and derivatives of the siren to just dis disrupt that pattern yes. of habituation. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in marketing, I, I talk about in the book, we come in habituated so quickly. Uh, the first time I got a hey friend email, you know, starts off goes, hey friend. I was intrigued. I was like, what friend is calling me friend? Like, they're so, mm -hmm. so friendly of this friendly friend. And by the time I got through, I was like, oh, this is irrelevant marketing. Damn, I don't want this. The next hey friend that came through, you know, the next day or whatever, <laughs> I, I ignored it. And and I've never looked at one again. And I'm sure thousands have come through. It's a quote unquote best practice. But admittedly, when it comes to marketing, the best practice is the first one to practice it. Everyone else is replicating and therefore it's going to be habituated and ignored. So yes. you have to do something that no one else is doing. You have to do different. Yes. Beware best practices. So I want to ask you, about uh, one way to go about starting to go down this different journey. Okay, we've established how frightening it is for a lot of companies, and, and, and for good reason. I completely understand it. But when I talk about all these self-styled marketing expert gurus, it, it really grinds my gears. And my heart aches a bit for companies that have been taken advantage of. And yeah. you, talk about, so I, I, I then realized I might have been onto something. What Talk about your nemesis and how... Uh, finding what our nemesis is actually can help you define your ability to be different. Yeah, I uh, I, I do a little rantiness, and I actually I don't like that tendency that that I have to do that. The the reason I did it is there's uh, proclaimed experts and, and pundits of ideas that um, really aren't effective. They they may have been for them, but again, replicating someone else. Um, is going to trigger habituation, but also it's inauthentic. I found ultimately we are best served if we amplify who we are. If we amplify our true self, that is different in essence. And also it feels authentic because it is. Mm -hmm. So that's necessary. I also found that um, I've concluded that marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. If what we deliver, we truly believe is better for our customers that we care more for our customers than the alternatives. Well, we have a damn responsibility to market accordingly. I also found that if we don't, they're going to find alternatives, which could be our nemesis. I, I think there's power in identifying a nemesis. It could be an ideology. Like uh, for me, 
with profit first, I believe that gap accounting, the, the belief that profit is the last thing to consider is a huge mistake. So I'm rallying against that. Um, but in other cases, it could I'll be- I'll include that TED Talk on your show notes as well. It was terrific. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I, when it comes to uh, gurus and pundits, I, I, there are certain companies out there that I'm like, mm, they're, they're teaching something that is totally against my ideology. So I, I talk specifically about um, info marketers that- you see them lighting cigars with hundred dollar bills and that mentality of, you know, if you don't have a private jet, you're, you're nothing. Yeah. And they're at the airport in front of someone else's jet and they rent it. <laughs> and it's fake to boot. It's yeah. Fake, right? And they rented, they rented a Bentley the for three yeah. hours uh, yeah. in front of some house that's for sale. That's not theirs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the essence of those messages is I'm great. You're scum. You can maybe be like me if you're fortunate enough. And I, I loathe, that message. Mm-hmm. I also get it does resonate with a certain community. Certain communities are inspired by that kind of derogatory and angry comparative kind of positioning. But I, I loathe that. I think there's power in having that nemesis. So I've identified businesses that act that way. Um, and I got to fix it. It's, it's caused me to rally my marketing. I am pushing for the work I do harder than ever because I'm trying to defeat that what I've defined as the evil. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it is evil, but in my context, it but is. it causes great harm. Just I like think so. The story with the accountant. Yeah. Right. 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 And I, I, I think it would be a disservice for me to go out there and trash and say, "Well, that that guru is an idiot and ass." I, I don't think that's a service. That actually maybe even brings more attention to the, those type of businesses. I think instead, you know, this is a good versus evil. I, I, the old Pepsi versus Coke kind of positioning. I just got to market more aggressively what I'm doing and and squeeze them out. So that's the power of yes. the nemesis. And I really, it's no different it. from snake oil salesman a hundred years yeah. ago. So let's get to the uh, the dad framework. Uh, that's pretty much the I guess you could say the backbone of the whole uh, approach, and and, yep. and very much a large part of the book. And this. To my disappointment, I thought it was going to be filled with dad jokes. I think I got one or two cheesers in there. Yeah, and and yeah. for that, I thank you. If no one else you're, thanks you're, you, Mike Michalowicz, this guy does. Okay. Thank you, my soulmate. Yeah. But let's talk about the dad framework. So what I try to do in my work is to boil down a concept to its essence. It's the application of the Pareto principle. What's the few things that have the biggest impact? And when it came to marketing identified there's three elements that consistently make marketing superior. And if any of these three elements are missed, it, it's, it becomes lopsided or ineffective marketing. DADS is an acronym. It stands for first differentiate what we already investigated. And the reason we must differentiate is that to the prospect's mind, it, it causes a pattern interrupt. Yes. It has to be evaluated. You win attention every single time. It's guaranteed, albeit short-lived. It's one-tenth of a second. We then have to rapidly move within a tenth of a second to the next stage, which is A, stands for attract. The message we're putting out there needs to speak to the prospect. They have to say, this is for me. This is where we position it as an opportunity. So does that that advertisement, that marketing message serve a need I have? Does it satisfy a problem I have? Or more often, does it simply keep me engaged? Is it entertaining? Does it invoke curiosity? Is there a reason to stay? And there's a reason why I think this is an opportunity for myself. The second there is a repulsion, meaning this doesn't serve me, uh, it goes into the file of forever more ignorable. Mm-hmm. So one example of this is I, I could 
you know, as a, as an author, I could say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to start doing like, um, I'm gonna start dressing like a clown, like, like Bozo clowns, big floppy shoes for my speaking engagements. Come on stage with that yucca yucca horn and go, Hey crowd, you know, I'm here to talk about my book. I guarantee well, I already that will get that, attention. So, that, yeah. <laughs> that passes the different test. Right. Because, right. right. And you talk so, about an attorney, a trial attorney who could do that day, in the right? courtroom and that, yeah, that would be, uh, that would attract attention. Gu- guaranteed. You'd, you'd lose different. every trial. But lose every trial because it's not attractive. Right. Because then the customer's like, oh, who is this clown? And <laughs> right. you know, a, cl- a clown for some people equals like murder and harm and yeah. scary uh-huh. because of the movies. It's an it, you know? So you have to be compelling. And some people, as they started reading the pre-release, were coming to me saying, does, does different mean outrageous? I'm like, not at all. Not at all. In fact, that's often repelling. Different simply means an amplification of who you are that is incongruent with your contemporaries, something that no one else is doing. That's what different is. So if everyone's being silly and you're professional, be more professional. Um, if everyone's professional and you're silly, lay into that goof factor. And uh, that will be attractive to the right community if it's authentically you and speaks to needs, interest, and curiosity. The last part of dad is direct, and that is to give the prospect a specific action to take. And here's the key. It needs to be reasonable. It can't be a big, bold ask, which will turn them off. It becomes a threat now. It needs to be something where they say, oh, if I take this action, I am winning, and the exchange is worth it. There's always a currency. I'm going to give you my email for that you know, PDF or whatever it is. So there has to be a reasonable exchange that matriculates that relationship to the ultimate transaction, which is the sale. Yes, and actually, if you do this correctly, and it does not appeal to some people that's okay. You know, it's like in the the notion of uh, in sales, uh, a lot of the really good salespeople will say no is my second favorite word <laughs> because they know what an ideal customer looks like. And again, I think everybody wants to be appealing to everyone, but if you really understand your customer and think this through, this works uh, beautifully. Well, let me let me just add to this though, just because this is really watertight. I mean, you could have had 97 things. <laughs> That would be a long word, a long acronym, but you only had three, which is it's just amazing. You write, I'm no stranger to marketing fails, but I don't regret a single one because I learned from all of them. Every time I failed, after kicking myself, I would ask, what in the process was wrong? Where did it go off the rails? In hindsight, it is always obvious that it was inevitably a failure in one or a mix of these three simple steps of dad. Quick question, though. You write that the best solutions always work with humans as they are yeah. rather than trying to force them to change. Explain what you mean there. Yeah. I, I find that we get far better results by channeling behavior as opposed to trying to change behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you may notice if you read my other books that this is a tendency I have, like in profit first, I found, Oh, to get someone to read a profit and loss statement and balance sheet is very difficult what we naturally do is go to our bank account. Therefore, that's where the system must reside. We need to channel that. What I found with marketing is we're trying to do what others tell us, even though it doesn't feel right. We don't understand it. We're not thirsty to do it. And then we settle back into our own tendencies. Interestingly, if we really look and examine who we are and what gives us the most joy, that's usually where we'll have the most comfort in, in marketing. So we need to investigate what do I naturally like to do? How do I naturally like to express myself? 
often you do this with your friends. Like next time you go out uh, with a group of friends and, and you're chit chatting it up, really consciously observe your own behavior, kind of trying to remove yourself from yourself in the moments and see how you behave. Are, are you the class clown? Um, are you the one who always brings balance and dip- diplomacy to the group? What is it? Those are your natural forms of expression. And then you can use that uh, in, in your marketing messaging and you'll be far, far more successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm always envisioning somebody who's still listening. You know, maybe it's a business owner or something and they're uh, sitting there with their arms crossed or at least mentally <laughs> their arms are crossed thinking, I don't know, this marketing is stupid. I don't know. Yeah. And you write that um, the most common feedback you hear about this whole approach, and I'm going to quote, because actually uh, it's one of your fraternity friends. <laughs> you write, and I quote, your book is great, but it doesn't apply to me. We are in an established industry. Your different strategy will require too much change and too much time. Good stuff, Mike, but all theory. Your response. That's Greg. Yeah. Uh, his fraternity nickname is Elk Turd. Yes, and, and his I real name sworn, is Eckler. Yeah, his last name is Eckler, but he goes by Elk Turd. And uh, the fraternity bylaws prohibit me from sharing that. So I will not share that he's Elk Turd. Elk turd. Well, and he also in, you included what his fraternity name was for you. Oh, Michalashitz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is also <laughs> prohibited. But actually, I, I adhere to that. One. I don't fraternal affection don't, going on there. Yeah, I don't share my own. Um, <laughs> coincidentally, he's he's flying in uh, day after tomorrow, and we're gonna uh, the football season's about to start. We're gonna watch a Virginia Tech football game. Excellent. We'll give him a, a, a noogie. So, uh, what, <laughs> what what is your response when when people say? Because I hear this too with others, you know, like like Marcus Sheridan. He'll say, you know, this is all great, Marcus. You know, they ask you answer, but you see, we're different. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting um, that... And actually, let me just interrupt. If you're in a boring industry, that's actually better, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what Robert Stevens says. He's from Geek Squad. The more boring your industry, the easier the opportunity to stand out. Yes. uh, Because no one is. Mm -hmm. You know, this compulsion to think we're all different is part of the human genome. That's how we're wired. If you look at people ourselves, we say, wow, we're all so different. And we judge simply at the skin level. Well, your skin color is different. Your weight's different. Your sex is different. Your height's different. But when you peel back the skin of humanity, we're, we're 99.9% the same. Like a doctor's never come to me and said, Hey Mike, um, for your heart, do you keep yours in your foot? Like, where is it before we start this procedure? It's known. We are identical internally. You know, the skin of business is different. A pizza shop looks different than an accounting firm. But when you look at the essence of it, it's 99% the same. Mm-hmm. We all have sales, marketing, must lead to conversion. We have to service and deliver. Uh, we have to manage customer expectations. It's all there. So when people say, I'm different, I say, okay, yeah, your skin's different. But let's talk about, do you do, you do sales? And I walk into these elements. So yeah, I do all that stuff. With with Greg, um, once he was willing to acknowledge that maybe, maybe this could even apply to his radically different real estate business, mm-hmm. uh, he was willing to experiment. And th- that was the other key component I found with humanity. Um, when we do plans, it's a commitment. I plan to travel somewhere. And when we vary from it, we, we get very distraught. If, if there's an impedance, we may even turn around. But experiments, inherent to experiments, is failure. You know, experiments like, well, I'm going to try. We'll see what the results are. And inherent to experiments is learning. So I told Greg, we're not going to do a marketing plan. We're just going to do an experiment in how we market your real estate business. And then it becomes more palatable because that's now working with the channel of who we are as opposed to trying to change who we are. 
Mm-hmm. Well, in the remaining time, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions, and I'd like people to think that you can just buy the book and, you know, like voting for Pedro, all your dreams will come true. <laughs> but talk about the Target 100. You, you talk about, I mean, this is like so many smart business books, you really have to understand <laughs> who your customer is, and you urge folks to t- talk about this Target 100. You actually need to go talk to people, and yeah. not your mom, not your friends, go talk to strangers. Yes. The, the worst people to survey about your business are people that know you because there's a social currency that's occurring. I, I have to say, oh, I love your idea, Mike. It is so smart because I'm the friend. And yeah. if I don't say that, it'll cause conflict. So we get this jaded perception that our idea, our marketing, whatever, is going to crush it because my friends say so. But the people who tell us the unabated truth are the uh, the strangers. They don't care. Uh, what they're focusing on is, is this going to serve me or not? And they speak through their wallets very loudly. Yes. So they pay attention to them. As Jay Bear would say, hug your haters. Because that's hug, really- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. So, they're the true truth sayers, the, the, the customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, one other thing uh, that's it's so important, I mean, so in other words, you need to Really drill down. It's, it's, this isn't the shortest book that you're going to read on a one-hour flight. There's actually no. quite a bit that you need to walk people through. And I believe you have workshops, and we're going to include links to all your, your websites and everything where people can find out more about this. But also quite a bit about doing effective experiments. You have to experiment quite a yep. bit. And it, it occurred to me that one of the smartest questions like a CEO or a business person could ask of their whoever's helping them with their some of their marketing uh, when they're presented a plan is to say, what experiments do you have planned? I think that would really floor a lot of marketing people. Like, I want you to be experimenting, just right. like uh, Jeff Bezos does lots of experiments. Yeah. So talk about the importance of doing experiments, doing them correctly, and what that has to do with 90% of Def Leppard songs really sucking. <laughs> yeah, so I'll start there. So uh, I am an awkwardly big fan of Def Leppard. Um, and, uh, and, but, and but hair whole, bands in general, right? And hair, but yeah, I love it. Like, yeah. you know, Sammy Hagar. Oh my God. I'll wet my yeah. pants. If I hear it. Well, you would get arrested for that. I think you said, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I referenced that in the book. Yes. Uh, I can't drive 55, but with Def Leppard and, and any of these bands, the majority of the stuff they produce is not a hit. And some of it really, really sucks, but they have a few hits and that carries them forward. That's true for marketing too, is we need to put the songs out there to see if it resonates with people and the majority won't, but I think we're so hesitant to even try that we start this affirmation loop saying, well, my marketing doesn't work and it doesn't work because I'm not doing it. And there's this kind of perverted uh, inability to try marketing. I'll give you an example of, of a security company that we were able to, and I don't think they're included in the book. It was a fascinating story. They wanted to market um, and they were working on marketing plans, which meant they were planning to do nothing and they did nothing we came up with an experiment and they did it and it just opened this person's uh, vision to what they could do. They were tar- they, they do high end security. So they're actually weaponized with you know guns and so forth. And they, they go into insecure areas um, where corporations could be, you know, at threat. And there's this one company they were targeting uh, in, in an area where they're located and uh, they know where the CEO's office is. It's the corner suite. It's pretty obvious. So what they did is instead of sending what their contemporaries were doing was sending postcards, this company got a big sign. They put it in a public space uh, on a sidewalk outside the building that could be seen from the CEO's office and said, we are ready to serve you at any time. We want to earn your business. 
They then sent by courier a package to the CEO saying, um, really cool thing, you know, please open. And inside was a pair of binoculars and said, look out your window. <laughs> and so you're the CEO and, and she receives this. What are you going to do? This is so, first of all, it's different, right? You get a package delivered to you um, and you open it, there's binoculars. It's different. So it's, it's garnered attention. It's attractive because it invoked curiosity. Look outside your window where you're going to not do it. You have to. So she looks outside the window and then she sees the CEO of the security business sitting there with his cell phone and at the bottom of the number of the uh, sign and said, I'm outside right now. Please call my cell. You got to, you yeah. just cannot do it. And she did. And uh, that started a discussion, you know, talk about foot in the door. And that opened up his company's eyes to say, Oh my gosh, uh, my, my target prospects are really one good marketing step away. Yes. And that they've done it ever since. So we have yeah. to win over our own trust in ourselves. Well, and also it, when you talk about doing experiments, it seems to relieve a lot of pressure, like the uh, fear of failure. No, 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 boss. We're not staking our future. We just want to test this. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there's there's muscle in that. There's, you know, when, when we fail, the, the world doesn't collapse. You know, they didn't look you at know, you. The, right. Yeah, You're I'm doing great. Of failure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the world doesn't collapse. You just find a way not to do it. I am not ever saying do something illegal or unethical by any stretch of imagination. But when you work within the confines of morality and law, uh, you're so many opportunities and the consequences of failure are simply learning. Yeah. It's interesting. Back to VMI. When you go there, you have to take boxing at one point, your fresh, your, your first year. And I hated it. I mean, I got my butt kicked. Um, yeah. I actually got a concussion. I was hospitalized, but I won that fight, just so everybody knows. Oh, okay. <laughs> so at the end of the season, after at the end of that semester, at the, after the very last fight, I remember the coach said, I think all of you got out of this course what you were supposed to get. And I was, of course, thinking, what the hell was the point of this, co- <laughs> this yeah, course? Yeah, yeah. And they said, the purpose of this course was to teach you how to take a hit. And who mm. has, who's learned that more than a guy like... Like you, who's you know, you just—it's almost like you're inoculated from uh, fear now. Let me just ask in the remaining time one last question about the book. I once had an IT client. We were talking to the president, and he was talking about how when they were talking to a new prospect, uh, they would ask about references, and they would—he would always say, "You know, I could give you a list of happy customers, but why don't I give you a list of customers where there was a problem?" Yeah, and they're going to tell you how we work through it. Can you mention? Uh, can you talk about this uh, painting contractor? Yeah, and, that's uh, Matt. The, the disadvantage, advantage. It's brilliant. Yeah, it was really fascinating. So Matt Schaup's company, uh, which paints houses, spray painted a baby black, like jet matte black. And the, the circumstance that came around was uh, it was an accident. The, it was the, an accident. Yeah, the painter the, the, was clogged, and the people were behind him, or something. Yeah, exactly. And the paint exploded, and yeah. uh, the the guy doing the paint calls Matt, and uh, he, he says, "You got to come here immediately." And uh, Matt asked his team to deep six this story because it's such an embarrassment. Like, what company does this? Until he realized that disadvantage may be his biggest advantage. Customers are so habituated to us lauding ourselves and patting ourselves on the back that it actually has become relatively ineffective. Of course, mm-hmm. you're a five-star rating on your own website. <laughs> right. So what Matt did is he flipped it. He said, Let's, we want to tell you about the horrors that came about because if if we can navigate this, we can navigate anything. Yes. And his contemporaries are like, are you crazy to put that story out there? Like you, you painted a human, you put their health at risk. And he started putting it out there. Close rates jumped. Exposure jumped because he was willing to show the ugly. 
there's a thing called the pratfall effect. And what it is, is when we show our true humanity, it actually invokes greater trust. When, when a celebrity has a blooper reel, we like that celebrity more. That's yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. So Mike, if readers took only one thing away from this book, what would you hope it would be? My hope is that people realize marketing is the ultimate and deliberate act of kindness. You know, if we offer something that's better than our contemporaries, if, if we can be of better service to our clients, that is an act of kindness because now we're allowing our clients to discover what is of value to them. And, and I'm not suggesting you manipulate clients. If they still choose not to buy, that is their choice. But if they don't discover you, it is your fault. So be kind, market. Yes. Give the listener one thing they could do today to put in action one of the one of the ideas from the book or one that we've talked about. Yeah, so one, random acts of kindness. I, I found to build muscle is to start just going out there and doing kind things for people. It's not a marketing scheme, but it, what it does is it starts building that muscle that, oh, you can put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You'll find the gratitude. when you know. Leave a kind note for someone on their car before you drive away and just say, hey, um, you parked really nice, nicely and let me park easily too. Thanks for doing that. Wishing you a great day. You will never know how that affects them by no it'll affect you permanently. Once you start seeing that kindness, putting kindness out there makes you stronger, you'll start doing it through your marketing. Amen. Amen. So what books have most inspired your work and career? I'm reading The Happiness Hypothesis um, right now, and it's been so inspiring because it's challenging notions. The one thing I'm really ruminating on right now is there's a belief that at a certain point, money can't bring happiness. They say, you know, $75,000, you can't get more happiness. And uh, this book says, that's actually not true. More money does bring more happiness. We're just not shopping right. We're we're spending it on um, the the effects of success. I got to have the nicer car, the bigger house. They said money can buy time, connection. It can be of service. So more money actually does bring more joy when spent appropriately. And that's, I, I love those concepts where we take an established belief that people are becoming entrenched in and say, hold on, is that really a belief or is that mythology? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I see that came out about 15 years ago, written by Jonathan Haidt. Interesting. I did not know about that. I appreciate you mentioning it. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading besides John Jance's, uh, The Marketing Engine? Oh, I'm reading John Jance's work. Uh, he's amazing. I'm going to read Dory Clark's Long Game. She's amazing. Yeah, her her interview will be right after the week, right after yours. Oh, yeah. Well, you all three of us are, you know, we're probably all like pounding you. Hey, can we get on your show? Because we're all <laughs> yeah. launching the same day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how um, I found out because John Chance said, "Yeah, Mike's is coming out the same day." So it's like, all right, let's get everybody in there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, th- and thank you for this. this. is a big deal for me, and I'm sure John Dory. I- I'm reading. I just started reading, or I'm about to read the Win Hoff method. I just got bought the book and and read the prologue. What's fascinating about it is. This is about uh, physical and mental um, strength. But what I find interesting is it, again, is challenging notions, stuff that's deemed to be a scientific conclusion where maybe there's scientific bias and he challenges things. I just I consistently find that fascinating. Once we believe something to be true, we have to question ourselves, is it just because we've heard it so many times or is it really true? Interesting. Interesting. Another one I did not know about. So I appreciate that. And of course, the listeners love hearing about other books. Well, listen, at marketingbookpodcast.com, like I mentioned, we're going to include links to everything linkable, all your your websites, the book resources, and your LinkedIn profile and so forth. Listener, please do me a big favor. Swarm 
Mike Michalowicz with thanks for being on this podcast. Just let him know you heard the podcast. You can tag him on LinkedIn or message him or, or any of those things. Cool. Please, please reach out. And if you're listening on your smartphone, you subscribe to the Marketing Boot Podcast on your favorite app. All these links can be found right now by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. The book is Get Different, Marketing That Can't Be Ignored. The author is Mike Michalowicz. Mike, thank you very much for joining us on the Marketing Book Podcast. Douglas, as always, thank you. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who have left an iTunes review, let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message indicating you're a listener so I won't mistake you for a spammer and ignore you, and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. And remember the words of the entrepreneur and author Jim Rohn, who said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.